Good evening, everybody, and thank you for joining us at Spirit of Grace Church tonight. So glad that you're able to be with us, and I'm looking forward to sharing the word of the Lord uh, with you, um, and looking forward to everything that's going to take place. I believe that if you take the time to watch this tonight, I believe that God's going to speak to your heart. I feel very strongly about this because I'm going to share with you a message that I think is timeless, and I don't say that to, to pat myself on the back. I, I'm fully aware that there are some messages that I preach, and any preacher preaches, that is seasonal. It's for that moment. It's for that time. It's for that uh, particular group of people. And then there's those messages that need to be repeated from time to time because they're a message that isn't just for a season, but it applies in every season of life. And we have so many new people at Spirit of Grace Church, and we're so glad that you're a part of us. And we have so many people that have been uh, watching us online and, and joining us here on Facebook or YouTube or uh, picking us up on the podcast later that uh, I wanted to bring this message to you again because uh, I believe it, it really applies to where we're at tonight um, in in the the history of time with what's going on around us. And I believe that God is wanting to release his anointing in us, uh, over us, through us, around us, so that we can touch people's lives. And uh, I dealt with this um, sometime in the last year on some devotions. Uh, if you are new to joining us here, if you go to our website at spiritofgracechurch.org and click on the daily devotions, there's I've missed a few days in the last year, but since the pandemic kid, I've been putting out uh, a devotion each each morning, and uh, they've been uploading that to our website, so you can access that and access all kinds of things on our website, so we want to encourage you for that. But tonight, I want to speak to you for a few minutes on the concept uh, of a recipe for an anointing, a recipe for the anointing. I believe in the anointing of God, and uh, I believe that uh, this, when I when the Lord laid this on my heart several years ago, it really changed the way my life operated and the way I looked at things and experienced things. And I, and I pray that it blesses you tonight. Would you just take just a moment with me now, wherever you're at, uh, wherever you're listening to this and watching this, just take a moment, just ask God to speak to you. Jesus, we come to you now in the name of the Lord that you would just saturate and consume Fill me up today and pour me out upon those that are hearing and watching this and let the spirit that we are talking about go over the airwaves and into every home and every vehicle, every office, wherever this is being watched and played. I'm asking you, Lord Jesus, just to touch every heart and every mind and let us walk in the anointing of the Lord. We'll be careful to give you praise and glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may want to have your Bibles open to the book of Exodus, chapter 30. I'm going to read about seven verses here, and then we're just going to kind of break this down for us tonight. Starting at Exodus, chapter 30, I'm going to start at verse number 22. And the Lord said to Moses, collect choice spices, 12 and a half pounds of pure myrrh, six and a, half, a quarter pounds of fragrant cinnamon, six and a quarter pounds of fragrant calamus, Twelve and a half pounds of cassia as measured by the weight of the sanctuary shekel. Also get one gallon of olive oil. 
Like a skilled incense maker, blend these ingredients to make a holy anointing oil. Use this sacred oil to anoint the tabernacle, the Ark of the Covenant, the table and all its utensils, the lampstand and all its accessories, uh, the incense altar, the altar of burnt offering and all its utensils, and the wash basin, basin with its stand. Consecrate them to make them absolutely holy. After this, whatever touches them will also become holy. Anoint Aaron and his sons also, consecrating them to serve me as priests. And say to the people of Israel, This holy anointing oil is reserved for me from generation to generation. It's important to understand that it's reserved for him. This is not something tonight that we can manufacture. God is the only one that manufactures the anointing. It must never be used to anoint anyone else, and you must never make any blend like it for yourselves. It is holy, and you must treat it as holy. Anyone who makes a blend like it or anoints someone other than a priest will be cut off from the community. <clears throat> That's referring really to the death penalty, not just being kicked out of a community. And we often talk about the anointing. We sing about it. We preach about it. Uh, we pray for the anointing of God in our lives, in our ministries, in our jobs, in our families, our activities, everything really. And we recognize <clears throat> that there is a need for the power and the presence of the Holy Ghost in or or otherwise our efforts become useless. Our efforts are useless without the Holy Ghost and without the anointing um, because we become attempting to live life or minister to others in our own strength. And when we do that, one of the following three things happens. Either one, we either become humanists, which is basically saying that we don't need God. Um, number two, we live in idolatry where our ways or our ideas are worthy on their own. And the Bible says <clears throat> all of our righteousness is as filthy rags. So, uh, and then the third one, we live in rebellion, which the scripture says is as of the sin of witchcraft, which simply means doing things our way rather than God's way. And so I don't know if you've ever really thought about working in your own ministry, your own lives, your own families in strength of terms like we just read here tonight, but it would be good for us to take that manner of thinking or that perspective, at least from time to time, to evaluate how we're doing in our own lives. All of our own ingenuity and strength cannot help us in having the Spirit move on us. In fact, they are really are the downfall in, in the undoing most of the time. Because we so easily abandon our reliance on God uh, for methods and plans that put us in control, and when we're in control, things will ultimately fail. It, God is calling us back in this day and this hour, and I think part of the reason of all the pandemic worldwide for the last year was God giving us another opportunity to come back and depend solely and completely on Him. Zechariah 4, 6 said, it's not by might nor by power, but my, by my spirit, says the Lord. You and I must live in the power of God. We must live under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. But the question then becomes, what is the anointing? We talk about it all the time. We desire it. We pray for it. We sing about it. We preach about it. But what exactly is the anointing? And so I want to share that with you tonight. The best way for us to understand the meaning of the anointing is to think of it as a setting apart. 
a drawing from uh, of ourselves from God drawing us from one place to another when God anoints something he sets it apart it's holy separated for his use and uh <clears throat> the thing to understand and sometimes we get this all mixed up is that holiness cannot be done by us we cannot make ourselves holy um, because how can unholiness make something holy? The only thing that can be made holy is when that which is holy creates in us a holiness. So the anointing originates with God and comes from God and it comes upon people and we receive him and we receive his anointing and that anointing is his holiness being applied and separating ourselves uh, from ourselves to him. Um, holiness is not a list of things that we can do or not do, and, and and we can't pray enough, we can't fast enough to become holy. And we have taken a couple of scriptures that have caused problems in our lives um, because we've misunderstood what they said. One of them is in First Peter chapter 1, uh, verse 13 says, So think clearly and exercise self-control. Look forward to the gracious salvation that will come when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. In verse number uh, 14, it says, As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts and your ignorance, but as he that which is called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And we have often treated that passage as a, um, a command for us to do something or to become something, when in all actuality, the, the statement is a declaration over us. And the declaration is God saying, be holy for I'm holy. He is declaring us holy based off of his holiness, because holiness can only be created from that which is holy. And we can't be holy or we can't be anointed on our own. It's the reason why God said in the passage tonight, you can't put it on anybody else. It's reserved from him to him for generation upon generation because the only thing that can be anointed or made holy is has to originate from the Lord. And so when a new king was anointed in Israel, the prophet would take a horn of oil and pour it over his head and it would run down his clothes. And they would do the same when it was a new high priest would come in and the symbolism was that this person was now set apart. He was to be God's man and God's instrument. But notice that the man that was being anointed was never anointing himself. He was never doing it. He was allowing the, the mouthpiece of God, the prophet of God, to act on behalf of God. It was coming from God to man. And, and that's very important to understand. The anointing never originates from us. It always originates from God. And when we say someone preached with an anointing or sang with an anointing or the song was anointed or there was an anointed moment in the presence of the Lord, it means that God had set that moment, set that message, set that lesson, song, singer, whatever, aside or apart to himself. And, and God was moving on the preacher in the song or the place and, and God was, it, it was doing something. And But what I want you to understand in that moment, that the anointing isn't a force it, like electricity. It's, it's, it's not just an emotion, although emotion can spring from it or can produce emotion. It's really nothing more than 
the presence of God in favor, acting in favor, and using that favor for his pleasure. So when we're dwelling in an anointed moment, or we hear an anointed preacher, or we're here, that anointing is really to, it's a savor, it's an incense to God, and God is pleased, and because God is pleased, we sense the effects of it, we are the, the, uh, the recipients of his pleasure. And so, uh, in the Old Testament, so I'm going to come back to that in just a few minutes because there's something else I want to share with you, but I want to get into the actual recipe for the anointing before I get to that. In the Old Testament, the tabernacle, all the furniture utensils that were used for worship had to be anointed before uh, they could be used. And they didn't anoint them with any just any oil. Uh, there was a special oil of anointing that God designed for them, and we read that tonight. And uh, before we get into the actual recipe, we have to understand at least two things. Number one, uh, it could not be used on a stranger. It could not be used on a stranger. Somebody that does not know God cannot be anointed because it originates with God, and God will not put an anointing on a stranger. It's the reason why I believe that John says in John 17, 3, that this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. That word know there is an intimate level of knowledge. It's not just a head knowledge. It's not just knowing about him, but it's knowing him. And when you know him, you're no longer a stranger. And so the anointing is never to be used on a stranger and it could not be imitated. God has reserved the right and he has every right to do so because he's God, but he has reserved the right to allow only true anointing to happen or to come on his children. The fall of Satan came because he tried to possess the anointing of God without having the heirship of God. The, the, he was not an heir. We are heirs with Christ. We are heirs of the things of God. Because of this fall, Satan has since that time been trying to imitate that anointing, and people will try to imitate that anointing, but the true anointing will always only origin, originate from God. You see, God prescribed these ingredients for this recipe that were to be used and how it was to be made, and in fact, it was so, we, we read it, they shall be cut off from the community. That means the death penalty was in order for somebody that tried to do that, to use it for a different uh, purpose. And so the recipe for this oil gives us a picture of why some things happen in our lives and why God allows us to go through some things and we would be wise to perceive and receive and have the revelation that some of the stuff that we've gone through was not to penalize us, not to punish us. It was to get the anointing on us and in us. And uh, when the anointing's there, uh, it's a whole lot better. And so uh, uh, the first ingredient here in this that we mentioned in the, the passage in Exodus chapter 30 that we read was liquid myrrh. Now, myrrh was, a, uh, was used to prepare bodies for burial. Uh, it speaks of death. And in order to get the beautiful sweetness of myrrh, myrrh had to be crushed. Uh, there's no anointing without death. If we want to know God's anointing, if we want to have his anointing in our lives, we have to die to ourselves. Paul said it this way, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. 
We have to die with him. We have to die to the old person that we were. Uh, somebody once said, well, salvation is free. Salvation is absolutely free. There's nothing you can do to earn it, but it will cost you something. You have to die out to your old thing. You have to give up your old life. You have to die to your agenda. You have to die out to your desires and your dreams. Anything that's not born of God needs to go if you want this anointing. And if we're going to depend on God, we have to, to die out to our own abilities and our own resources. When you can do it in your own ability, in your own research, in the back of your mind, because you're human, you'll basically saying, I don't need God. And so sometimes God allows the crushing experience of, of life not to penalize you, but to create some myrrh in you. And so if we don't come to this place of dying on our own, that's when God allows some crushing circumstances into our lives to do that. So I challenge you tonight, don't just, if you're feeling crushed tonight, don't despise the crushing of God that allows God allows in your life. Sometimes we're really quick to say, well, it's the devil, it's, I, it's, it's my boss, it's my kids, whatever. We blame everybody else. But a lot of times it might just be the Lord that's dealing with us because he's wanting to bring us to a place where the myrrh of the anointing can be applied to our lives. And without that crushing, that myrrh is muted. Without that crushing, that mute, that that myrrh is uh, unavailable. It's un. It, it's not going to work to blend with the other aspects of this recipe, and so you won't have that full anointing. But the other thing to learn from this is, it's far better for us to come to a place of brokenness on our own, seeking the Lord in prayer, than it is then He can anoint you, and it's far less painful when we come to Him willingly than God having to allow those crushing experiences to come into our lives. Um, I heard it once said this way, I'd rather fall on the rock of ages than to have the rock of ages fall on me. Either way, I'm going to get crushed. Either way, I'm going to have the myrrh of life start start coming out in my, my life. And, and and so if if we can ever get to the place where we just allow that crushing uh, uh, experience to permeate our lives. I'm reminded of the, the the picture in Matthew 26 of the woman who brought the alabaster box of precious, expensive perfume and anointed the feet and the head of Jesus, and the fragrance filled the room. The kind of box that you don't want to break, the box itself, it seems so precious. But unless that box is broken, there can be no fragrance. And unless we become broken, there can be no fragrance. The perfume is locked up in us uh, and, and until we're allowed to be broken and crushed. And so when that breaking in our lives happens, the fragrance of Christ, the myrrh of this recipe is is released. And if we don't allow that break in, breaking, that release can never happen. And sometimes we hold our lives and we control our lives and our lives are you know, as precious to us and we treasure it more than anything. But those things need to be broken. We are not called to be Ming vases, but clay pots. I'll say that again. We're not called to be Ming vases. We're called to be clay pots. First Corinthians says that we hold this treasure, the anointing, the glory, the holiness of God in earthen vessels, in clay pots, that all of the glory may not be ours or may be his and not ours. And so we need to come to the place of brokenness so that myrrh can come. 
The second ingredient is sweet cinnamon. Cinnamon was used for flavor, and it gave off a very pleasant smell. The fragrance of cinnamon was beautiful in the tabernacle because it counteracted the stench of all of the animal sacrifices. So cinnamon speaks of sweetness. If you want God to pick you up and anoint you to use you, there has to be some sweetness about your life. The crushing experience of the myrrh brings out one aspect of the anointing, but there is a sweetness that has to happen in in our lives to uh, complement the myrrh that's in our lives. There was a pastor in Australia that whenever someone was speaking to him on the phone, he always finished saying goodbye with the phrase, keep sweet. What he meant was to keep a sweetness of demeanor about your life. It's so easy to allow life and circumstances to make you bitter. Don't allow it to do it. Don't allow that bitterness. Don't allow the circumstances of life to creep in and make you take that sweetness from you. Uh, there's, there's very difficult to be anointed when you aren't sweet. Nobody wants to be around grouchy people. They want to be around sweet people. And so cinnamon takes off the sting of the, of the myrrh, the death aspect of it, that brokenness that, and all of a sudden the sweetness comes. We need to develop a, a life of graciousness about us, deal with others with the grace that God has dealt with us. And uh, don't be a reactionary. God doesn't react to us. God just responds to us. He responds to us in loving, long-suffering, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faith. Does that sound familiar, the fruits of the Spirit? And if God does that to us, we should in light do that to them. And God will anoint you if you'll take the brokenness and the sweetness, the brokenness of the myrrh, the sweetness of the cinnamon, and, and which is the sweetness of Christ, uh, and then start combining that together with the third ingredient, which was sweet-smelling calamus or cane, if you will. Now, the calamus, I want you to notice this, the calamus grows in miry soil. The old song, he brought me out of the miry clay. To get this plant to smell uh, the sweet-smelling cane or calamus, it had to be beat. And the more you beat it, the more you hit it, the more the aroma arose and the better it smelled. And so again, the anointing oil was made up of the crushing of the myrrh, the sweetness of the cinnamon, and now this sweet-smelling cane that only was released by, by being beat, if you will. Uh, and, and so God uh, allows in your life, the more you pass through the school of hard knocks, God is able to fashion your character. Have you ever thought of it that way? Have you ever thought that some of the stuff that you've dealt with, some of the difficulties, some of the things that, that, that you've had, the hard knocks of life, were not simply there to make life hard, but it was beating the sweet calamus or the sweet cane in your life that God was trying to anoint you with. You see, we've sometimes it's easy for us to break in the presence of God and allow the myrrh, and even sometimes we can make it a habit to, to become sweet. But then there's just some hard knocks of life that happen, and some are harder than others. But they're all working in our character. They're knocking off the, the rough edges, and as long as we respond to them the way God is wanting them, God wants you to 
fashion, be fashioned in him. He's wanting to fashion you for anoint. He's preparing the anointing of your life. He's taking the brokenness and he's adding the myrrh. He's taking your sweetness and adding the cinnamon. And then he's letting the the calamus that needs to be beat by the hard knocks of life. And that's the, the, the third ingredient that is added to this oil. And uh, it, it's interesting to note the different amounts. There's a lot of myrrh. There's uh, about the half the amount of cinnamon and calamus. And then there is the cassia, which is a little bit, uh, is the fourth ingredient, which is a little bit more. And then there's a full gallon of oil, uh, of olive oil. And uh, so the fourth ingredient to me is, is this cassia. Uh, let me back up just a second. God, I want to say this before I go on to this fourth ingredient. In the third ingredient, talking about the calamus that, that, is, that is beat by the hard knocks of life. God is more interested in anointed character than great abilities. I need to say that again for somebody. Because somebody that's listening to me tonight has been comparing yourself to those that seem to have all these abilities and God is more interested in anointed character than anointed ability. He's more about who you are and not what you can do. He's more about how close you are to him and not how you can be used as an instrument for his kingdom. He, he'll, he'll figure out how to make his kingdom work uh, with or without you. <laughs> he really doesn't need us to make his kingdom, but he has a desire and a love and a passion to have a relationship with us. And so he wants a, an anointed character more than an anointed ability. Praise God. So the fourth ingredient is cassia. Now, this spice uh, in, in reading and studying only grows at elevations above 8,000 feet. You've got to get up on the mountain to get this part of the anointing oil. If you desire to be anointed of God, and you've got to reach the heights, You've got to climb, and it's not always easy, but you've got to get to the mountain with God. There, there's no shortcoming, there are no shortcuts to the anointing. You can't just, it, it's not like you're just taking one little step. It's, it's a haul, it's a climb. Uh, we've got to pray, we've got to seek God, we've got to study, we've got to love God and love people, we've got to work, we've got to, we've got to fight, we've got, Jesus lived in the anointing of the Spirit, and for that he maintained a close walk with God at all times in prayer. And, and the Bible says several times he pulled himself out from among the people and went up into a high place. There's those times where we have to go up into the high place and, and, and really fight and really take the time. And, and so I want you to see these four ingredients before we get to the final ingredient. These four ingredients are already in your life. They've been in your life since the very beginning uh, of the breath you've taken. There, all of us know that there are places where we've been broken, um, and that brokenness uh, we thought was a detriment to us. But tonight, I want to share with you that all of that brokenness in your life, all of that abuse, all of that struggle, all of that fight, all that was was God putting in one of the ingredients for you to have the anointing of God in you. All of us at some point in time have figured out how to be sweet. All of us have been beaten by the hard knocks of life. All of us have, have taken a climb and a journey. We're all on a journey and we're all at different points. But I, I want to encourage you tonight. Don't 
Don't uh, chafe against those. Don't don't push back against those. Receive those and say, okay, God, I want your anointing in my life. So let this begin to take place. And then the fifth and final ingredient was that it was mixed with a gallon of olive oil. And this mixture, when it was all put together, was called holy. Now, over and over in the Bible, oil symbolizes the Holy Ghost. And in so many ways, so many types and pictures, oil does represent his spirit. And so I want to show you here that the Holy Ghost is the principal character or the principal element that wraps everything else together in the anointing of God. You see, you can have myrrh on its own, you can have cinnamon on its own, you can have calamus on its own, and you can have cassia on its own, but it's the oil that blends all of those together. So you take the crushing, the death aspect, the dying out to your agenda and dreams, you take the sweetness of the cinnamon of your life, you take the, the, the hard climb of the cassia and the beating of the calamus, And when the Holy Ghost comes on you and wraps all of that together, it becomes an oil that is considered to be the anointing oil of God. So look at this picture that we have here one more time. All these ingredients mixed together with a bottle of oil produced the anointing compound that was called holy, that God said it was only his and it couldn't be put on a stranger, and it couldn't be imitated. Listen, somebody's got to catch this tonight. I feel the Holy Ghost in my office here while I'm sharing this. All the stuff that you've dealt with, the myrrh, the cinnamon, the cassia, the the, the cane, uh, all of that stuff that you've dealt with, the Lord has taken all of those, and he's mingled it together on you because you're no longer a stranger, but you are his child. And, and it's, it's not an imitated anointing. It's the fresh, holy anointing of God. And when the Lord combines all the good and all the difficult things in your life with the oil of his spirit, a sweet anointing forms in us. That's key. I, I mentioned I was going to come back to this a little bit, but it forms in us. And then he's able to use us in incredible ways. Now, for a long time, and I've been in the ministry since 1988, but for a long time, I had a very Old Testament concept of the anointing. Uh, because in the Old Testament, when the Spirit of God moved or when the anointing came, it came on somebody, quote unquote, came on. And, and that's the phrase that's used. It came on a person. They were anointed for a task. They were anointed for a job or a ministry. They were anointed for a moment or for a season. And, and uh, then the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. And talking about... Uh, Uh, Samson. Uh, And the ropes that were on his arms became like flax that is burned with fire and his bonds broke loose from his hands. And he found a fresh jawbone of a donkey and reached out his hands and took and killed a thousand men. You see, the spirit of the Lord came on him to do that. That's what happened in the Old Testament. And a lot of Christians today are still operating or thinking that the anointing comes the same way today as it did in the Old Testament. I, I I remember for years I would get up on a Sunday to teach or to preach, and I would think to myself, oh man, I hope the anointing is here today. Lord, I need your anointing to come on me for this task that you have. And after that uh, 35, 40 minute message was over, I guess that the anointing kind of lifted. Now, 
It's not wrong to pray for the anointing. I need God's anointing and so do you. But instead of praying for the anointing to come on us, the New Testament aspect of the anointing should be the prayer that says, Lord, let the anointing be released from us. Because that anointing oil, that anointing of God is in us by the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost has wrapped all of those things, all those difficult times in our life, all of those things that we've dealt with. He's wrapped all of that up and put it on the inside of us. And so the anointing is always with us. My prayer isn't, God, let your anointing fall on us now. My my prayer is, Lord, allow the anointing to be released from us. Do you see the difference? You see, when you walk into your family, instead of praying, God, come down, say, God, come out. When you walk into work, instead of saying, God, let your anointing rest upon the office, we need to be praying, God, release your anointing from us into this office. The anointing has already been formed in us. it's the, the oil is of the spirit's presence mingled with a character that's forged in the experience of life daily dying to oneself and alive to Christ full of grace and sweetness and it's the anointing that flows from within us because Jesus said out of our belly shall flow rivers of living water John wrote in 1st John 2 27 But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. You see, the holiness, the anointing of God is already in this. This is why when God, when Jesus said through the apostle Peter in, that we read earlier, be ye holy for I am holy, it's not a command for me to figure out how to be holy. I am holy because of the anointing oil, the experiences of my life that the Holy Ghost has wrapped up and given to us and given it back and put it in us. And so now I already have that anointing. I have that holiness, not because of anything I did, but because of the Holy Spirit that took the things of my life and wrapped it up in his grace and his mercy. You see, one of the great problems we have in the church today is this idea that we can live any old way that we want to uh, and then come to praying or witnessing or preaching or ministering or doing living and being an example uh, anything else, we simply ask, Lord, let your anointing come, anoint us, and he'll come on us and like he did on Samson and help us for that moment. And then we can go back to being our normal, unspiritual, carnal selves. If God uses a person who is cold-hearted toward him, living in sin or worldliness, that's only his amazing grace. And he can do that. Like I've told people before, he used Balaam's donkey, he can use some of you too. You see, it's probably he's probably using that 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 cold-hearted person not because of the cold-hearted person but because of who the cold-hearted person is ministering to and that person is not to be penalized because of the the cold-hearted person and so God uses that person in that moment to touch that life but you should never presume upon the holy spirit's empowerment but we should cherish it we should prize it pursue it guard it Guard that anointing of God that's in us. But that's the necessary caution. But here's the wonderful thing. If you put the old man to death daily, I am crucified with Christ, I die daily, and live for Jesus, he will begin to cultivate in you a sweet disposition 
or a dealing with others in grace. And if you allow your life to make you better and not bitter, and if you daily seek God's face in prayer and fellowship with the Spirit, then you won't have an occasional anointing, a hit and miss empowerment, just an occasional time. God's anointing will literally incubate in your life and equip you for every good work. You'll reside in that anointing, even as that anointing resides in you, and you'll minister out of the release of that anointing and not ministering on your own. Paul wrote it this way in 2 Timothy 4.2, be instant in season and out of season, in convenient times and at other times, all the time, be ready. How are you going to do that? I'll tell you how. Let the anointing rest in you. There's a recipe for it. So if you have been looking at God in your life and you have been complaining about those crushing experiences, stop complaining and start thanking him because he's trying to create an anointing in you. Stop complaining about having to be sweet even when other people are sour and say, God, refresh the anointing in me. Stop worrying and complaining about having to be beat by the hard knocks of life and just start looking at it and saying, God, you're just letting the calamus come out, the king come out. And God, I'm going to continually to seek you. Early will I seek you. I'm going to to pray. I'm going to fast. I'm going to be there because God, I know you're forming in me and God, just let your spirit wrap all of that up so that I can live in the anointing of God. There is a recipe for the anointing. There's a recipe for the holiness of God. We see it in Exodus. So I want to challenge you to excel in these things and live in that anointing this week. Let me finish with this verse tonight. 2 Timothy 2, verse 21. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for master's use and prepared unto every good work. You see, the anointing is a recipe. Our life is the prep room and God has prepared us to walk in the recipe of the anointing. Will you allow that recipe to be formed in you? Will you allow that anointing? So when you go into work, when you come into church on Sunday, for those of you that are local Spirit of Grace church folks, when you come to church on Sunday, don't come waiting for the Spirit to rest on us, come on us, but just come expecting that the anointing comes out of us. And as it comes out of me and as it comes out of you, it's going to fill the house and we're not going to even be able to contain the power that's therein. Praise God. The anointing of God. It's for you. It's for me. And he wants us to have it. Praise God. Would you pray with me? Jesus, I'm thankful for this revelation of the anointing of God and the holiness of God. I'm thankful, Lord, that you have taken all the things in my life and you have blended it together with the oil of your spirit and you have created an anointing in me. And Lord, all those that are watching and listening now, you've been creating an anointing in them. I'm asking you now as we go forward from this night, Lord, that as we gather together online, as we gather together in person, wherever it may be, let all of the anointings of each individual begin to pour out of us and be released so that it will be so overwhelmingly powerful that it will become tangible among us. We'll be careful to give you praise and glory and honor knowing that it's all about you and nothing about us. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen, amen. Thank you for joining us tonight. We encourage you to join us on spiritofgracechurch.org. And if you just go through all the different icons, uh, if you go to the podcast, you can get the podcast and YouTube and Facebook. All the links are there. Uh, we want to encourage you to do that. And uh, if you're local and you uh, have a need, have the need to come to a home church, we want to welcome you. We'll embrace you. We love you. Just come as you are and enjoy the presence of God and, and come with the anointing of the Lord. In Jesus' name, God bless you.